Morning, everyone. This is James Magnum Cook. I'm here with Jay Farrell. He's a Nashville-based photographer, documentary wedding photographer, and published author of Abandoned Places. And I'm going to let him introduce himself as well and uh, tell you a little bit more about himself, and then I'll ask him some more questions about what we're here to talk about this morning. Appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah, yeah, basically, that's right. I'm a documentary-style photojournalist wedding photographer. Um, at this point, especially during and after the pandemic, I've kind of noticed that uh, I've become a bit more choosy about my clientele and it's, it's something that I take on if it works for me and if the couple really embraces the vision I have um, you know, more and more as an artist we can't just be looked at like we're hired help we're you know, very specific in our styles and processes and that's what people hire us for so it's all got to match especially for something that important but uh, also especially during the pandemic I spent most of my time uh, exploring just random places where I didn't really have to be around people. That was just a dream come true, really. But uh, my interest in abandoned buildings started well over a decade ago, mostly bringing models to these places, these uh, distressed factories and warehouses that used to be plentiful around Nashville, but not so much anymore. So, but over the years, I guess I just grew tired of uh, reschedulings and cancellations and lateness and all that other stuff. I remember one time I had a shoot scheduled with a model and I, I can't remember if she was late or brought somebody extra with her or something just to uh, put a bee in my bonnet. So I just went ahead and photographed the building. I thought, oh, hey, this is pretty cool because there's some that are no longer there that I just wish I did that because now I'd have that as a documented memory of that place. Like, for example, that Howard Johnson's hotel I, that we had a group shoot in. I, I, I really wish I documented that place without anybody. Yes, I remember that quite well. I was actually on that with you. Yeah, I could kick myself 10,000 times over for that. But, um, you know, you can't cry over spilt milk. It's just a matter of moving forward. But that's mostly what I've focused on in the last, um, actually, more than five years, just doing the buildings. So it's just kind of something that... and. Over the past few years, it's meant more travel to get to these places, and I've gone pretty far and wide to, to get to them. Even did a solo trip to, a couple different solo trips to Mississippi, several days apiece, just having no knowledge of the area and just going out and exploring. Very exciting adventures, for sure. Um, what was the actual first uh, abandoned building book that you had published? All that came so unexpected. Um, I had a publisher from England uh, with Font Hill Media contact me that they were starting a new series of Abandoned. And my first thought was, me as an author, wow, um, okay. Because the only real writing experience I had was blogging. I mean, I knew I had some basic talent as a writer, but not on that level. So it, it was I was skeptical at first, of course, as anybody would be. But I had a, a talk with the copy editor in the U.S. office and definitely put my mind at ease. So you know, my first project was Abandoned Tennessee, the first volume. And uh, yeah, there's great stuff in there. Uh, you know, Obviously, now that I've been through the process more, there's things I would do differently. But that's kind of how it's supposed to be. It's just like with um, even great rock and roll bands, you know, they come out with 
their first album and maybe it's great, but they evolve and change uh, their style as they polish it. Right. So you've polished up quite a bit over the different books that you've done now. Oh, naturally, yeah. But but that that's how it all began. And I even reached out to an old high school English teacher and told him, like, hey, um, you might not remember me. I got some help from some classmates on Facebook to find him. Uh, but I bombed out of your class in a pretty short time. Um, but, yeah, now I'm a published author. <laughs> and I think, you know, yeah, his reaction was definitely surprised and happy. Right. But we've been in touch, and he's helped me with certain things like grammatical things um, and writing-related things. That well, that's, have, a, that's a very cool thing for a former teacher that you kind of basically almost flunked down in his class, I guess. Basically. <laughs> oh, there wasn't almost about it. it, it, it <laughs> oh, it was, oh, it was about it. Okay. Well, you know me. Whatever I do, I do thoroughly. Right. Um, you know, it, whether well, that's I, on the good side or the bad side. Yeah, I think we both share that one. Yeah, but it, it, it's definitely been an exciting adventure, um, just exploring. And um, and you know, and then I did a second volume of Tennessee and then a first volume of Kentucky. After that, I developed... Well, by the time I got to the second volume of Tennessee, I started to dabble a little bit in the history of some of these places I visited. Mm-hmm. And I found that, okay, this is good. I used to really not care about that. I just wanted the photos. Uh, I've always liked the texture and the distress. And, and plus, there's just that thrill of uh, knowing what's inside places that people just drive by and they don't either they think about it or they're curious. Well, yeah, now I'm experiencing it firsthand instead of just being a spectator. Right. Do you enjoy finding out the history of these places a little bit more, as you said, more than you used to? And Yeah. And is, is, does that enhance the work? per se? I think it does. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, it's not something you necessarily have to do to make interesting photos, and my whole goal isn't to spoon-feed the audience and tell them what to think. Right. Um, But, it, I mean, I think a lot of the audience, as they look at the photos, they could be curious. And my whole goal from the start, and I've stayed true to this, is to basically make it feel like the reader's are part of my experience, and they feel like they're along with me. All right, actually, kind of a hangout style, right? right. Um, actually, I went on one with Jay uh, up in Kentucky and showed him a few places in Kentucky, and actually gave him a history of one of the buildings there. I don't want to give him too much information on the uh, show this morning because uh, I think he wanted to check out the book and kind of read his take on it and uh, look at his photographs because they are awesome, um, and uh, really hope you'll check those out. And so. Um, as you've been doing this, you've also stayed doing your regular photography, especially your documentary wedding photography. And as you have mentioned at the beginning, uh, you've been a little bit more picky with your clients uh, since the pandemic. Um, you have a very unique style. And people, as I have told in the past, and you and I have talked this outside of what we're talking on the show this morning, People really do get what they pay for, and when they pay for every you, time, yes, absolutely. When they pay for you, you get you get something very unique with your documentary style. But can you describe your documentary style a tad bit on this show this morning? Uh, well, basically, I'm a storyteller and an observer, and I'm uh, telling a story of the day, and it's really driven by the couple and the guests and everybody there, rather than them having the day that I'm telling them to have and posing people. Uh, of course, I'll do a few of those. Um, you know, family photos, but that's not my primary offering. Um, but basically all the emotions are true and real as I'm following the event and uh, capturing it as it goes. Yes, and that's very much true. Um, 
I've been with Jay on a couple of those as well. And uh, I've noticed that it is very, very much a different style uh, than just putting someone up and posing them. And I think it gives people something that you just don't get with just any everyday photographer. I think Jay has went way out of his uh, way to really make something special. And uh, I, I'm might be a little biased, uh, but uh, I think they're great. Well, I thank hope, you. <laughs> I, hope, I hope sometime someone check them out, and if they're interesting in that, please uh, check out his stuff. I'm gonna have links on here at the uh, end when we get uh, show and everything done. Um, Something it, it's really for a very specific uh, couple, um, for the ones that want Pinterest ideas and they love the posing and to have it more of a showmanship feel. Then I'm obviously not the right choice for them, but. If they just want a story told and they want to hire a photographer and not have to think about it, then that that's where I come in. Um, I've, I've always been relatively choosy about the couples you know, because if it doesn't fit, then it's not fair to everybody. Right. Um, but especially throughout the pandemic, as things, as I've just had more time to think about it. And even last year, I shot a fair amount of them. Just the, the events were smaller and more low key. But... I due to the pandemic yeah it's, it, it's good to stay true to yourself and capture your vision so that you continue to enjoy it because this point now there's some longevity involved and I, you come to a crossroads like okay like do i enjoy doing this yes yes i still do but uh, would there be certain couples that i would not enjoy dealing with that would take that joy away yes that could also be the case so it's just to protect everybody's interest. And of course, naturally, you want to try to please your clients. But part of that is proper pairing. Like, it's just not logical to think that you could buy a Mini Cooper um, to take five kids camping. But it's it's great for, you know, two people to drive up the coast or something like that. So everything has a unique purpose. And the one size fits all generally. I think it rarely evokes the type of emotion that a specialist or niche provider can yeah well i think over the years you and i both learned a lot of stuff uh like especially when we were dealing with models uh, as you were talking earlier in the show uh which led to your abandoned uh, building photography which is is incredible um i've got some of the books and uh, like i said i did go on a couple of things with him um on your adventures, and I do home adventures because that's one of the reasons I'm kind, oh, of, they are. I'm kind of doing this show is because I enjoy adventure and I like enjoying other people's adventures as well. Um, you've had a few close calls, though, that I'm aware of on some things. Close I mean, calls? Well, yeah, I know you're very, very safe, but I know you've had some times where, like, you've had it. I believe, if I remember correctly, you had a nail go through your foot at one point. Oh, yeah. That was great. Um On Christmas Day, too. <laughs> on Christmas Day. Imagine that. So, uh you know, but I think you take a lot of precautions, but is there anything that comes to mind outside of that that, you know, it's really been, it's a, but I think there's a thrill to that adventure, but there is a danger that not just, and just, not just anybody can just do that, I don't think. It's my opinion, though. Well, yeah, there's definitely some things that you have to know, and um, yeah, it is dangerous in a lot of different ways. But as you've explored, you gain some experience, and your body language is a bit different, like in case you're ever approached by a neighbor or property owner or anything like that they, they see with a camera and if you handle it right it's not a big deal um and, and of course the the failing floors and stuff like that yeah it's definitely something to consider all right uh but the, that's really the reason why 
I'm, I'm selective about who I go with if I go with anybody. Like my friend Jerry's been with me a ton, right. but, but we both share a lot of the same uh, practices as far as how we explore. Mm-hmm. And I know on the ones that I went with you, I went in places that I knew in Kentucky, but uh, ironically, I'm not the one that checked uh, for the safety. You are, and uh, that's awesome because you went in first, and uh, you were even looking out for my safety, which uh, that's uh, very much appreciated. But I don't think um, – I, I, I think even I know what I'm kind of getting at. You and I both know that there are some people out there that – jump into something because they think that oh well hey i'm can do this too and uh, but they don't stop to think about the safety protocols uh, that some of us think about well you maybe. go into it knowing it's not safe it's really no surprise right well i mean we understand there's going to be some issues but i think uh, what i was getting at you and i both had dealt with safety protocols with people over the years that you know we tried never to endanger the people that we were photographing well before. sure and uh, so i think that mindset is there for us um, and maybe not just for every single person out there i mean i'm not saying that there's people out there that can't do that but what you do is pretty unique and uh to the level that you do it um and to the risk that you take for yourself but it's it's a good thing because it's turned out very well um how many titles do you have now i've got several written down but i wasn't sure that i've got all of them so could you run through the titles of the books that you have out there right now and where they're at wow um you would ask that, wouldn't you? Well, now, don't let me put you on the spot too much. Okay, I know I have, um, well, okay, Abandoned Tennessee and Abandoned Kentucky were my firsts. And I have uh, Abandoned Tennessee Touched by Time, which is a second volume. And I I definitely like how that book come out. It, it was a bit more random. A lot of stuff just kind of thrown together, but it really works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, since then, I've gotten a bit more concentrated in how I've set up my chapters and did and did more history research on the back end let's see i also have uh, abandoned alabama dark shadows of generations past which included uh back roads farmhouses and even an abandoned insane asylum so lots of cool things there i have um another kentucky volume abandoned mississippi which was trips through the delta and central mississippi east mississippi that has a lot of really cool stuff. That was a, a, a three-day trip. And I finished it up on the last day. I, I knew nobody. I knew of no place. But the last day I did explore with a historian. And, and she took me around uh, Monroe County. So that was a great way to... That was the first time ever doing that. Well, that's so. uh, that's very interesting. That's something that I had not talked to you about before, I don't think. Um, yeah, it was really cool. And and like th- that was right about the time I was starting to reach out to historians, and I, I honestly didn't think they would support what I do. But generally, as long as you want to learn, they- they'll tell you anything. See, that's uh, I think that's the thing. I think a lot of times people just don't realize that there's people that you probably can reach out to uh, sure. on, on things that you don't even realize. I think uh, it's kind of like the uh, old saying, you know, you live in a town and there's a tourist thing there that you've driven by a thousand times and you don't even really know that it's there until the day you actually go there. And it's like, wow, you I mean, this is here? Yeah, and also what locals tell you, you know, it's, it's good to pay special attention. I've even made voice recordings. Um, on, on some of my travels and uh, even if, if I do that it also states the location so that I'll remember later because otherwise I won't forget it you know well that's super cool yeah. um, speaking of locals and stuff oh, uh, yeah. being from Kentucky uh, one of your uh, things is eastern Kentucky 
Um, tell me some stuff about Eastern Kentucky. And oh, yeah, Lead, leading up to that. Let's see. Oh, and the other titles. I know I've got uh, Abandoned South Mississippi, where that was a several-day dedicated trip, and that was awesome. Had a great time. That's one of my favorite Beautiful titles area. as well. Abandoned Nashville and Abandoned Memphis, mm-hmm. where I've uh, checked out different factories and um, warehouses, all kinds of cool stuff in that. The Eastern Kentucky... And I, and I guess it's just like somebody trying to pick a favorite kid if they got multiple. Right. But Eastern Kentucky could very well be it. Really? Yeah. Um, I've got a you know deep connection to all of them, but that one I think especially because that trip turned out to be more social than I ever expected. Because um, you weren't expecting to be able to be welcomed as well as you were, I believe, what you're getting at. Well, I mean, I think most people just kind of want to know you know, they know if you're not from around there and they, they think they just genuinely want to know what's going on. And and that's cool. All right. But they'll, they'll give you a chance. And I just found everybody was fair and everybody was um, very approachable, welcoming, that sort of thing. Because I think like on the South Mississippi trip, I, I talked to almost nobody the whole time. Really? Uh, so it was a very different experience. Uh, you know, Eastern Kentucky, they're very alert. All right. Um, but I think I just found it so interesting because I remember hearing that um, song like where the sun comes up at 10 in the morning the sun goes down at 3 in the day mm-hmm. I, I just kind of thought they were cool sounding lyrics and I got there and I was like wow I, I can see why they say that right. now but it was yeah I, I, and, and just to kind of I didn't really know anything about coal mining and I kind of wanted to as I got there I, I wanted to know everything about that area that I could Right. and I actually did meet some locals and got to chat with them and and there's there's one family that actually got me in this holler that had and and oh yeah by the way if you're not from there and people don't know you you don't go back in those very much so i'm from kentucky myself and i'm what he's telling you is absolutely true i mean you could be perfectly fine but it's not a risk i'd be willing to take right uh but but they were more approachable once they knew absolutely what you were doing yeah and, and i'm still in touch with that family they got me in that holler to photograph an abandoned farmhouse um and and yeah, they you know they still invite me to come back and see them. I'd love to do that. Uh, but it, I, I think I just really learned about the whole operation of coal mining and you know the Appalachians and even how company stores worked and company when they used company scrip uh, and the whole level of oppression. But yet that was the provider for the families. Right. It, uh, I I think I just got I felt such a connection to that project. It's going to be hard for me to outdo it. Well, that's good to hear, being from Kentucky, even though I'm not from the eastern part, but uh, definitely have friends and family in the entire Kentucky area, including that area. Um, yeah, abandoned eastern Kentucky um, you know, came out like last November. Yes, and it's a it's a very, very good title, and especially uh, if you're from that area or have connections to that area, please check that out. It's, uh, it's very interesting, and like he said, he learned a lot, and uh, I think that's the thing that also that he has went out there and done. You've learned a lot of different things by doing this that probably people who sit behind a desk or in a, or a house all day long or at night or whatever you just don't get to experience this kind of stuff that often and you get to experience this on a regular basis um one of the next things i want to ask you about though is um about the abandoned nashville because nashville is growing and things are disappearing and a lot of stuff in your books are probably going to start to disappear or have started disappearing correct I mean, most of them have most of them have um do you do you think that's a, a the pro, do you think it's a problem with a lot of cities now that they're 
trying to revamp that they're destroying part of the history in the process even though that was abandoned but it's also part of the part of the history of the city um i mean again i was never a historian i'm still not uh well i understand that but. I mean, but i like these abandoned places for different reasons than um some people that like the history of them uh, naturally like if they were to knock down the ryman auditorium yeah i think they'd really be pissing all over nashville's history by well, doing yeah that. absolutely they would and I think to this day, um, it's some of the best acoustics you'd want to hear. Uh, but you know, the places I visited, I don't know how much historic value was in uh, is in them. But just kind of more nostalgic, like people have good memories going there, um, like the uh, Greer Stadium and Starwood Amphitheater. You know, now that there's nobody there anymore. Yeah, I remember Starwood Amphitheater quite well when I was a kid. So I yeah. still miss it. Yeah. yeah, it's really too bad, but. Um, yeah, and I think my favorite part of the Nashville book was the old Madison Mill factory, um, mm-hmm. and now it's been revamped, and there's a bunch of uh, like boutique shops in there. Uh, wow, totally different. Oh wow! It's like uh, the other no, day I think I saw the... a couple millennials like sitting on a coffee table drinking probably a ten dollar cup of coffee. They had no idea what was there a few years back. Wow! Now that's not the one the press went with you locally on, is it? Um, that was... wasn't really connected to any specific book. Okay, that, so that was just but, an interview thing that they did. Well, wait a minute. You know, uh, when Tennessee Crossroads interviewed me, it was there. Okay, it was there. Okay. Yeah, it, it wasn't really tied to any specific book except for maybe my first one. But by the time we got around to that interview, I'd have, I'd have explored there. And that's where we did the interview. But that's like, at that point, they were starting to do like asbestos cleanup and stuff. And I tried uh, the crew you know, really enjoyed it and they wanted to explore afterwards. And I just said, you know, if I start feeling something in my head, like whether it's from uh, mold or any of that, you know, the rest of you are going to have more effects from this. So my advice would be don't exhaust your resources because I'm already starting to feel it. So you have taken some risk. Obviously. Oh, of course. Yes. I mean, obviously, yeah, the whole thing's dangerous all across the board and I'm willing to accept that. Um, but it, Which I, but you I just think try that, to be smart about it. Right. Well, I think that's what makes more of an adventurous person anyway is because um, you or me or anybody else that is willing to take risk are probably a little different from the average everyday person, I would say. Uh, you know, not everyone... Although people get in their cars every day and they go to work and they have no idea what they're risking their lives for. But Well, true. But I'm saying in our thing, we're... Especially when you go out the door and then you see a person. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, no. Yeah, right. But an art deal is kind of a, so it's kind of a, it's a thrill thing, adventurous to you or to what I do or, um, but it's kind of off the subject in a way, but it's just kind of like, this is how we got to these points and this is how we we're here today talking with each other. Um, yeah. And what's cool about it is it's, it's different from other photos that you see. Um, yeah, I'm not knocking landscape photographers at all and, and I don't have, you know, their skill set to do that. But like it seems to me like you know taking a interesting photo of a distressed object or, or place, you know that that's what sharpens your skills All right. as, as a photographer. But like if I went out and photographed a sunset on the beach, well of course it's going to look great. <laughs> right. Well, most of the time, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, what is your most uh, as far as you, to this point? Because obviously you're still going out there and you're still going to, to this point. What is as as far as your most um, adventurous thing you have done, and you really were excited about it, being able to get it into a book. 
Um, a lot of it really was never pre-planned. Well, I know it wasn't planned, but I mean, from from up to this point now, is there anything that stands out in your mind? It was just really something awesome that you got when doing this that you really, really like more, not say more than everything else you've done, but that was something that is an experience that you cherished because you got to do it. Really, all my trips, I think, are, are, are like that. I, you know, just like even running across a uh, old antebellum federal mansion in uh, South Mississippi and exploring that and just the, the long walk back from the road. Yes, I've seen the pictures of that. And it was cool. It's, uh, even for it to be an abandoned place, it's very beautiful uh, in its aspect today. Uh, so that's something that was very interesting to see. Yeah, plus abandoned factories. I think uh, yeah, Jerry was with me, Jerry Winnette, a fellow author and photographer. This abandoned factory in Memphis, we had to go through uh, two different fences. Somebody's cut holes in them before. Right. And by the way, that's something neither one of us ever do. Um, we don't break windows or kick down doors or or cut holes in fences but if it's already there of course we're going to take it yeah I'll, I'll attest to the fact that jay never does anything like that because i'm well familiar with jay's work and he wouldn't do that but yeah it's still trespassing but, either way you slice it but uh it is trespassing obviously and, and we're acknowledging that such as life but most places now i don't know about the factories but i know a lot of the places that you've been most people that you've dealt with sometimes you've run into owners of the property and for the most part most people have been fine with it i'm i'm not sure what would happen on the factory aspect Uh, yeah it's pretty rare that i run into somebody that's that combative which actually did happen once in kentucky but it wasn't eastern kentucky (laughs) that's probably i was just pretty much like are you serious right now and it's not even her property but yeah okay well see i think that's another problem too um you know, if it's a property owner and, you know, and you're able to talk to them, but sometimes uh, people do have a tendency to intervene where probably they shouldn't. Uh, well, you know, I mean, it's I mean they, they of... think they're looking out for something, and I understand that. But sometimes you and I both have run into that with uh, some other stuff that we've done in my, uh, back when we were doing modeling and stuff. Uh, most people are super cool. Well, especially guys because, you know, they're like pretty girls <laughs> yeah I, I just think it just it just helps to be humble and uh you know with how you deal with people but it is somebody like an inexperienced explorer naturally they're going to have nervous body language because they're not really comfortable with the idea of going into these places mm-hmm. they're going to have the butterflies and then it's just going to if they're approached by a person then that's just going to put the other person on guard too all right because they're going to they're going to see that um speaking of the factories um uh, and of course, uh, I used to do uh, stuff inside of a distribution center for a while. Um, when you go into these places like that and they're abandoned, is there anything that has been left over that reminds you of uh, possibly a story of the people that used to work there? Well, whether you're going in an abandoned house or a factory, the, um, what you find on the inside always tells a story. Okay. Um, even like in a farmhouse, even if it's completely empty and there's no furniture, you see uh, sometimes layers of wallpaper, uh, and some of them even newspaper is used. Right. Um, the factory, it could be anything, even like workplace posters or um, whether it's OSHA posters or even equipment left over, personal belongings or stuff that um, you know vagrants brought in or whatever, and graffiti, it's all part of it. 
Okay. But but the contents left behind always help tell the story. That's what I was interested in, uh, because you know having have that background as well, I was curious like when something's completely shut down, you know what's left over. Like you said, there's equipment and possibly even some personal belongings that actually were there during the time when people worked there. Uh, so I think that makes that kind of interesting too. Um, because, like you said, it does definitely tell a story. And uh, I think you're a very good storyteller with your uh, photographer in these books. Uh, anyone that hasn't had a chance to check them out, really need to check them out. Because, um, And, yes, I will admit I'm personal biased because we are friends. But um, the thing is um, I'm viewing them from a photographic standpoint. And as far as I'm concerned, they look very, very good, and they tell a very, very good story. Uh, I bought copies of the books myself from uh, Amazon. Um, and um, there are other places you can get them. Um, one other thing. And that's still one very confusing thing. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you'll go ahead and tell. No, no. Um, they are distributed regionally as far as uh, retailers go, but there's uh, like bookshop.org and I think indiebound.com tell uh, of any independent bookstores in, the, in somebody's area. And even if they're not on the shelf, any bookstore can order any title. And I, I definitely encourage supporting local businesses. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, but I mean, but my titles are at uh, different Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Target, Walmart, um, Sam's. I, I don't think we're in Costco anymore. Well, I didn't even realize that you had gotten into Sam's until just now. So that was a- yeah, and other you know Walgreens, but <laughs> but um, also independent bookstores. Okay, and they're still. Definitely some of those around, but the like in Nashville, you got Parnassus, uh, Harper's Books in Lebanon. I really like them a lot. Uh, the, the, you know, there's several, but also the, of course they are on Amazon, and and I know that's a convenient thing for people, and, you know, right? And that's fine; it gets shipped to their door. But yeah, go ahead with what you were saying. Well, I'm really not sure what I was saying. So that's, well, on my, that's on my side this time. Oh, I know what it was going to well, be. That's because I was running out of stuff to say, and I was putting it on you then. <laughs> Well, that's always fun. You're welcome. We, yeah. Oh, by the way, if you don't know Jay Farrell, so this is so that'll bring that up. If you don't know this guy, let me tell you something. You're welcome is his catchphrase for sure. Uh, he's used it for a long, long time, and I think I still got your welcome uh, shirts somewhere in my uh, cabin. In I need more of those. Yeah, it's a, it's an awesome thing. Um, one of the last things I'd like to talk to you about is. Um, a little bit more of some of your personal background, if you don't mind. Um, I know you're originally from New York, and mm-hmm. you came here several years ago. When was the first time, and I think, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, and I may be wrong, I may learn something, something this morning, but I think you first picked up photography when you were very young. Am I correct on that? Yeah, um, it was obviously a different thing. I was just basically, even as a kid, I was a curious explorer, and... Um, and I had a 35 millimeter, and I remember in high school I used to like to uh, photograph uh, car junkyards. I've always kind of liked the off the beaten path. Uh, you, you know, like where you find, you can find all kinds of people with cameras right here in Nashville at the murals or downtown or uh, the Parthenon. You won't find me there. Right. So do you think that? Um, do you think that that early, like like you said, off the beaten path? That kind of sounds like it is something that. All right. I'm going to skip forward just a little bit, and that way I can remember where to edit. Okay, so, uh, Jay, tell me about some of your new projects coming up. Well, from uh, 2019 to uh, 
almost current times, I've explored a lot of abandoned schools. And uh, actually, Monday, Abandoned Schools of Tennessee comes out. Really? Yeah, and it's a, a plethora of old schools. There, there are several old-time schoolhouses, like the one-room and two-room, three-room, uh, almost like what you'd see on Little House on the Prairie. Okay. Uh, you know, Mrs. Olson running in there with her bloomers <laughs> or whatever, you know, those things they wore. Uh, but, but, I I'm not sure. I think there's some that are called. I'm not sure exactly what those are called. Though. Yeah, it's like some kinda, dress that looks like a feather duster. Yeah, I kind of have to look that up one. But yeah, it, where there was one teacher for all the grades. I still don't understand how all that happened, but they did it. Right. My dad went to um, old country schools, as they called them, and they were one room. And yeah, the teachers would teach multiple grades and stuff. So yeah, the school year often revolved around local harvest. Yes, absolutely. Because you know, the kids were dependent upon to do farm tasks. But yeah, And there were some others that were you know, 1930s, 40s, 50s schools uh, that have been abandoned. But basically, as one concept gets outgrown and replaced with another, that becomes abandoned. But it, it, it goes from like the the charm of the old uh, country one room schoolhouse to you know the creepy hallways where um, there there's vandals and broken glass and everything else. So it's a bit of a contrast, and there was even a youth detention center in there. Oh wow, which was um, pretty creepy. Well, but. going back to our previous question, you know, I was talking about like going in places and running the. Now, some of those places may still be, even though they're abandoned, may be owned by the government. Correct. So that's a that's kind of a whole different ballgame there. Isn't I it? think that one still is owned by local government. Um, yeah. I mean, as far as if someone shows up... Or to, Department of Corrections. Yeah, uh, to remove you or whatever. Yeah. If they cared that much, it would be boarded up. Well, I think so, too. I, I agree. And probably nine out of ten times, someone passing, even if they're um, in law enforcement, they probably just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> More than likely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and it, you know, it kind of pays... It, it helps that I know how to handle it if it happens. Right. right. I mean, basically, you just don't get combative or defensive. Oh, no. With people. Um, even if they're being petty about it, just like, hey, I had to be humble. Well, that one, uh, that one Karen I ran into in Kentucky. Right. Um, I, I kind of felt like saying, yeah, like go away, mind your own business. I mean, it's you know, it's 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 really. But you're trying to be more diplomatic because you want to be able to do this without a lot of problems. Yeah. And um, obviously, we've not run into a lot of problems. No uh, things that we've done, you've done. Um, I don't. Yeah. yeah, because we do know how to talk to people, and we do know how to. You know, be diplomatic for the most part. I don't think. Uh, I also, ever... if you express interest in something in their general area, then they'll get to talking about it, and that kind of switches things around. That sounds like that sounds like a perfect plan for just about anything, doesn't it? <laughs> hey, it's like Eastern Kentucky. You know, it's like a lot of locals. You know, taught me about how you know coal mining worked and everything, and how it's changed over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I kind of feel like I met friends there, even though that wasn't my intention going in. I mean, obviously, I wasn't there to make enemies, but. Right, I and, that's, kind of and that, I, think that's, I think that's the point. No one, no one, which, you know, me knowing what you do, I know that for, for a fact that you're not going out to do anything bad. You're actually going out trying to do good stuff, showing what's left of this, uh, you know, and and like what happened with Nashville. It's gone. It's just really something I like to do, bottom line. Um, you know, and if I can learn about some of the history, that's just a bonus. All right. Well, anyway, Jay, I really appreciate this interview this morning. Um, yeah, appreciate it. This is Jay Farrell from uh, Nashville, Tennessee, that I've been talking with this morning. Uh, and I said he has uh, got his abandoned book series. The new one coming out is The Abandoned Schools, correct, on Monday. Um, 
Uh, I'm going to leave some links uh, when I get the episode up, and be sure to follow those links uh, to his books uh, and his other artistic work if uh, he likes, Um, because Jay is a very unique and very interesting person, and I think that you'll really like his work. And so please check it out, and if you like abandoned places especially, check out his books. Pick one of them up at all the uh, retailers and other places that he has mentioned, and uh, we'll give some links too. If we can get enough of those links in there, we'll do everything we can to uh, put you in the right direction of Jay's books. And Jay, do you have anything else you'd like to add before you leave this morning? Yeah, I I definitely enjoy seeing uh, my books on people's coffee tables or carried with them, whatever they do. I also uh, repurposed uh, my Farrell Gallery website um, okay. over a year ago and, and made it more of an art online art gallery and print store of, of my various travels, mostly. Okay. Um, so, admittedly, I'm not super knowledgeable on running an art business, but I'm trying to make a go of it because I feel very passionate about having my work on people's walls as well, as it's a conversation piece. So, farrellgallery.com is, is where I sell... You know, prints and canvases and even metal prints, even though it's not listed yet, but that's all a work in progress. But that's uh, that that's all connected to the work I do, and it's it's something I really hope to get off the ground with time. Awesome. Again, Jay, thank you very much. And uh, this has been the 13th Destiny Podcast with Magnum. Please come back and check out our episodes out after we continue going forward. And everyone have a great day, night, or wherever, wherever it might be, wherever you're at in the 13th Destiny world. Later. Later. Damn, that was awesome. <laughs>